Welcome to Harvest Talk, the podcast of Harvest Community Church in Goshen, Indiana. Harvest is a community church with a vision to change the world, and we do this by reaching people and building their lives. For more information about Harvest Community Church, please feel free to check out our website, hccgoshen.org. And as always, I'm Pastor Jeremy, and it's an honor to be spending some time with you today. And today we are continuing in our series called uh, Social Media Integrity, looking at just some of the impact, <clears throat> excuse me, on social media in our world, particularly in the area of how it's uh, affecting uh, teenagers and preteens, uh, as well as the er issue of uh, misinformation, politics, uh, um, uh, tribalism, those kinds of things. And so uh, in, in kind of go going off of this, I've been talking a little bit about how my perspective in this area has changed over the last few months. And I just wanted to bring some of those things to light and then kind of hopefully give um, kind of a, a perspective from what I'm hoping is a, a is through the eyes of Jesus from a biblical standpoint, and how I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with some of these issues. And so, just kind of a, a refresher. Last week, I brought in our soon-to-be uh, staff pastor uh, Corey Whitmer. He's been working with our youth for about three years, and uh, he's got a background in uh, uh, child uh, uh, clinical mental, uh, mental health. He currently is working with Oakland which is a uh, mental health institution here in uh, Goshen and has been working with teenagers and, and youth in the juvenile system through that uh, uh, position. He'll be coming on board uh, full-time for us at the end of the month. But last week we had him on to talk a little bit about how the brain, our brains develop, what's going on during the teen and preteen years, how those things are impacted by social media, and, uh, and why this really is a, a problem um, at that age range. And today what we want to do is kind of circle back and kind of go, you know, knowing some of the issues that are going on, what then can we do about it? One thing he mentioned last week was that, you know, the judgment center of the brain is one of the last to develop. And part of God's plan was to have parents and guardians step in and kind of serve that function for teenagers as they're experiencing emotions, but learning how to discern what they're experiencing. And so today we're going to be talking about that in a lot more detail, as well as give some practical tips to parents of teens and preteens on how they can protect uh, their kids from some of these things that are going on. So without further uh, explanation, here's uh, my conversation with Corey Whitmer. All right. Well, we are back uh, this week with Corey Whitmer, and I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation last week uh, with him going into the kind of the details of the development of the human brain and how that creates a trap uh, for uh, teenagers particularly susceptible to uh, things that happen within the social media world and the social media algorithm and just how teenagers think about things like popularity and emotions and feedback. And, uh, and so, uh, Corey, want to come back. Today we're going to kind of get into some practical issues about how we as, as parents or influencers or adults can kind of walk uh, teens and then also hopefully give you uh, parents out there some tools to help in this uh, area. But I kind of want to go back to something that uh, we talked about last last week. You know, two weeks ago when I kicked it off, you know, I made the statement, you know, I'm not going to have my kids on social media at all until they've left the house or left my oversight. And and I kind of said, and even listen, going back and listening to the way I said it, I was, I was a little bit you know, forceful in terms of going, listen, I want them under my jurisdiction, under my judgment, when they're evaluating these types of things with regard to their identity. Right. And then one thing you talked about last week was as they're, 
as their um, brain is developing, you know, the, the, the judgment level, the, the wisdom level, if you will, of their, uh, their brain is kind of the last to come into play. So their emotions are kind of whizzing their wisdom out, <laughs> out, out of. And so you made the statement like that's the role of the parent. That's the role of the influencer. Um, so, so why don't we just pick up on that for just a little bit and then talk a little bit about how do parents and adults work in this area to help guide teens in this developing process? Yeah. So I think, you know, last week was very much a um, setting up the the theory. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> setting up the, here's everything behind the scenes going right. on. Right. Behind right. the eyes going on. Right. Um, and so getting into the, the actual action steps, what do we do? You know, yeah, parents, parents and adults in general, we are tasked with, you know, being that substitute prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. that, that substitute judgment for adolescents, uh, for our, our children. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it's important. It's, it's learning how to slow them down, okay. learning how to um, help them accept and understand their emotions while at the same time thinking through things rationally. Right. And this is, you know, really difficult for parents especially because one of uh, one of the developmental tasks of adolescence is independence. Right. And, and establishing independence. Right. And so you have these, you're trying to step in you're trying to say, Hey, let me, let me help you process through this. And the adolescent is, is saying, let me do this myself. Right. I want to do, I want to be my own person. I, I don't need my dad there to tell me what to do. I don't need my mom there to tell me what to do. I want to do this myself. So it does create some conflict. And I think we need to be very careful in how we, engage our students. And and I think this is where it becomes really, really important for kids to have a community around them. Mm-hmm. And it becomes really important to have your kids involved in other things other than just mom and dad. Sure. There needs to be adults in their life that can speak into their life. Adults who, who have the same values, who have the same beliefs. Um, whether that's a coach, a youth leader, um, a small group leader, a, uh, um, it, it can even be a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, somebody that's outside mom and dad right. that can help speak into that, that can help be that judgment part for them, that can help them kind of sort through those things, somebody they can go to that they can count on. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I think I remember a while back uh, the, the family-only ministry was kind of popular, and there's a lot of speculations about, is there even a biblical role for a, a student ministries or a youth pastor? You know, they're, they're, biblically they went from child to adult mm-hmm. and one that wasn't exactly the case in Jewish culture. Uh, but two, you know, one of the, one of the things I'd always argue is having those additional parent figures or adult figures that have a similar value system that actually, if they're doing it right, they're reinforcing right. that wisdom from mom and dad, but they're not mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's really, really important. So let's talk a little bit then about how, what's the best way to do that? What's the best way for a parent or an adult 
to then in, engage. I love the way you put it, slow them down. <laughs> I see that. Oh, time out, sweetheart. I use that phrase way too much. You know, my <laughs> oldest, my, my preteens and teenagers are both girls. So it's like <laughs> time out, sweetheart. Uh, but <laughs> I love that. So, so talk about then how it was the best way to, to kind of slow them down. Yeah. I, I want to step back just a second sure. real quick. Uh, Cause I think it's, it's something that we have to mention in our, our day and age. Right. Okay. When you are allowing your students to be connected with other adults, mm-hmm. when you are allowing other adults to speak into their life, our role as parents has to be that of filter for right. those adults. Exactly. We, we have to, um, we have to filter out those adults. We have to say, okay, I need to know who this person is. Right. I need to know what they believe, what they stand for, because it is way, way too common uh, to see grooming and to see. Right. Adults that look like they're helping, adults that teenagers perceive as being supportive and helpful adults who actually have other motives. Right. And 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 it becomes a really, really bad situation right. Right. Uh, that none of us want to deal with. Right. But Which, so I think it's important to know those adults. Exactly. And and also to interject, that's another reason for keeping them off social media because <laughs> it, it's it's a, it's really an easy place to casually groom. In fact, you and I received an email recently yes. where this was the tragedy that happened, a social media connection that led to something very hor- horrible. And uh, and then also, even as we'll talk about with devices, why we have to be involved. And so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got to know the people you're dealing with. Go yeah. ahead. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure we put that out there. Right. We're talking, <laughs> right. Don't just let your kids connect with any adult. Exactly. Um, but how do, how do we slow them down? Um you know, I think the best way for parents to engage with their teenagers um, and to, to help become that kind of judgment zone is not when they are emotionally worked up. Sure. <laughs> when they're way up here, mm-hmm. that is not the time to say, hey, let's think about this rationally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because right. they're right. not going to hear you. <laughs> right. Guarantee it. Uh, Most adults won't either, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, in the middle of the experience is not the time to try to teach them something. Right. We want to give them, give them time to process, give them time to experience those emotions in the moment. Honestly, you just need to be the parent and, and the one to kind of provide the, the corral. Right. Um, Hey, I'm going to let you experience this right now. I'm going to let you blow off steam. I'm going to let you, you know, experience these emotions. I'm going to set some boundaries for Mm -hmm. that. Right. But I'm not going to intervene right now. Right. And then later is when you can come back and discuss that with them. Later you can come back and you can say, hey, let's talk about this rationally now that you've experienced those emotions and now that those things have died down a little bit. Let's talk about what was happening. Let's talk about how did you handle those things? What was your thinking in those moments? Uh, What was your what was your thinking process? How did, how did you go from step A to step X? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, Without all the there? steps in between. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, and then you can talk with them and then you can be that rational and you can say, hey, rationally speaking, logically, here's the way you could have gone that might have had a different outcome. Right. Uh, if you say that in the moment, not only are they not going to hear it, it's just going to add fuel to the fire. Right. And it'll be, you don't understand exactly. me. You never understand me. Right. Um, You're trying to force me to do something. You're right. telling me what to do. Right. Exactly. So I think it, you got to come back to it later when they've calmed down. Remember, 
their emotional center of the brain. The amygdala is the thing that's running the show right now. Right. And when they're in the middle of a crisis, when they're in the middle of that, you know what? It's okay to just affirm them. It's okay to say, yeah, I hear you. Right. That sounds like it's a terrible situation. Right. Right. <laughs> sounds like it sucks. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's right. okay. It's yeah, okay to absolutely. say that. Like, yeah. Man, that's horrible. Yeah. And let them experience those emotions. Yeah. And it's, it's often, you know, we, I have to remind myself of this, what I was like, if I can remember back when I was a teenager, but it's okay to let them know that you believe that they really do at times feel like their entire world is coming apart mm -hmm. for something that we know because we're adults, it's not even close, right. but affirming, Hey, one, not calling you young, but you're going to look back at this differently at some point in time. It feels yeah. awful right now. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's great. I'm going to, I want to bring up something in just a second, but before we, we jump into that, because this is a delicate balance that we have to deal with, with teenagers of allowing them to make in that independence, allowing them to make decisions that can have consequences. And yet really what you and I are advocating for is taking a whole set of consequences completely out of their ability to make decisions for, you know, it's like when we're, we're saying take social media completely out of the deal. Right. So I want to come back and talk with why that is the case when oftentimes we're also sitting here going, you've got to let them experience things. You got to let them process <laughs> things. You got to let them make some decisions. You got to coach them and not enforce things. We're, we'll talk about that balance in just a moment, but let me, let me come to this issue. Cause oftentimes I've heard this, you know, I spent 14 years working with teens in ministry, and then I still hear it today as parents. I still hear it with statements that my teenagers make from talking to other teenagers. Hey, what about their right to privacy? You know, it's their room, it's their phone, it's their computer, uh, it's their friends. Like, what, what about their right to privacy? Um, um, <laughs> What say you to that with dealing with teenagers living in your own home? They have none. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> no. He said it, and I agree, but he said it. <laughs> but seriously, you know, as long as they're living under your care, uh, you have the right to see and know everything that is going on. Right. Uh, and the right for you as a parent, the right to see and know all that is going on does not necessarily mean the necessity right. to see and know everything. Exactly. I, I want, I want to make point. that very clear. That's a good point, yeah. Because there's there's a right to privacy, and then there is an appropriate amount of privacy. Right. And as teenagers, I say they don't have any right to, to any privacy. I am the parent. I am responsible for them. So there is no right to a privacy. There is a certain amount of privacy I am willing to grant. Right. And I think that is important. Again, going back to that, that brain development is it, that helps with that role. We are, we are helping them get to the point where they do have their, they are autonomous. They are right. able to function on their own, but in order to help them get there appropriately, there are certain things that they just don't have the right to that privacy. Right. And, and it can sound harsh in our right to privacy era, but the, the two, two things about that. One, the fundamental reality is, is we have an allusion to our own privacy anyway. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we talk about here, even on staff, about our use of social media, our use of email, because all that stuff becomes public 
you know, colleges, uh, I know at one point in time were checking students' social media accounts to figure out what kind of students they were, scholarships, job applications. It's all out there. And so what we're doing is we're teaching them to think through what privacy really is, first of all, in addition to protecting them. Uh, and then the other thing is, I like the way you said it, there is a need for them to experience some separation from mom and dad, experience some privacy, but do it within... Um, do it within a, a, a boundary. And, and, you know, one thing I know that we, we were talking about is I, I know, for example, you know, your wife, Amanda works with in student ministries with you. And there was a particular uh, girl in her life group that was expressing some, some things that they were going through and, and uh, kind of felt uncomfortable going to their parents about it, but uh, was willing to at the same time wanted to communicate with another adult separate from that. And so what she worked out was a system where there's a journal Mm -hmm. And uh, the student can write in the journal, and then they swap journals every week, and the, Amanda will write back. And, uh, and the parents know about it, that there was an agreement that if there was ever anything concerning, there would be openness right. within that. And yet, it was a place where that, there could be an, an ability for privacy to be, right. you know, to be, to be done. Um, you know, and I know, I know we've told our kids, um, actually our former pastor told their kids, they could pick one person that they could talk to. We had to approve it mm -hmm. um, outside of the family about anything. And that gives them a, a, an element of privacy. But again, what we've done is we've secured it yeah. and given them uh, that, that thing. Um, okay. <clears throat> let me, let me, let me just ask you this before we get into the real practical, how to protect. So why do we feel then, you know, I, when I've coached parents, I'll often say, you know, at the teenage years, you're starting to transition them into a place where they can experience more and more consequences. Uh, we're sitting here talking about, you know, they need to experience some independence while having, um, while having uh, the judgment zone guided for them. Mm -hmm. um, and yet we're both also saying when it comes to social media, you just need to take all, they don't have the option to fail there. <laughs> Why would you say that? Why, 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 why is that so dangerous for them? Well, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of control. Sure. I mean, you, you can't control social media. Right. And, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about, you know, trying to set up some of those boundaries and stuff. And I think the problem with social media is there's, there's just too much out there. There's, right. there's too much content for you to be able to filter and, and control what comes in. Um, and right. It's, it's just, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, exactly. And, and I would absolutely echo that. So, so let's, let's talk about some practical steps that parents can take to help this out uh, for their teens in terms of, of starting to, uh, to build in these, these protections and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think to start out with, um, the biggest thing is to let them know that, that you reserve the right to see anything and everything. Um, you, you respect a certain amount of their privacy, mm -hmm. but you are reserving the right to investigate everything. Right. Um, and that their right to privacy only goes as far as you say. Right. So it, it starts out, 
it has to be a conversation that you sit down with your your teenager, you sit down with your preteen. I mean, I would say even as early as fourth grade, third mm-hmm. grade, like, mm-hmm. I mean, start this conversation yeah, early. Absolutely. Um, we, our kids joke because we, we told our kids since they were little, like, you don't own anything. It all belongs to us. We're letting you use it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So then they throw that back at us when it's like, hey, go clean up your room. It's mm. not my room. You own it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I'm throwing it right at you. Uh, hey, you get to use it. <laughs> it's clean. <laughs> it's awesome. So, uh, uh, but have those conversations early and, and let yeah. them know that ultimately as the parent, you are responsible right. for bringing them up in in the right way. You, right. God has tasked you with raising them to be responsible adults. And, Very good. Um, having those conversations and, and letting them know that, um, hey, I, I want you to be independent. I want to help you to be independent. That is our goal. Um, but as we go along this process, here are the limits. That yeah. We're and, the, and the other way to shape that is, is there, the, the, there are rights and there are privileges. And so they don't have the they don't have the right to privacy. They don't have the right to their own stuff, but there's a privilege. Right. And so you know, I know for we don't want only one of our daughters has a phone right now, but we've said we we've got full access to everything. Um, we check it frequently, and if she's doing what we're saying, we give her more privilege. But if she, yeah, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, we make the consequences very very clear to her. Um, because it's a privilege and we're, and and as she learns trust, it works that way. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I think that brings up phones Mm -hmm. is is a good place to start with, with some of this practical steps. Um, I've, I've talked to a lot of parents about how, how do you manage giving your kid a phone and how do you manage devices and, and all of that. My hard and fast rule is phones and devices should be charged or kept in a common place overnight. Yes. Um, they should never be kept in the room. Um, and you as the parent should have the passcode. Right. You should be able to log in anytime you want. Right. Um, you know, it's my, my son has a phone and he knows that we read his messages if we want. Yep. Um, I don't do it every day. Um, but if, if that trust is broken at some point, it may be an everyday thing. Right, right, right. <laughs> and exactly. it may be, you know, but you, you don't, um, you don't take that phone to bed with you. Right. Period. Um, when, when it is time for bed at a certain point, you plug that in, you leave it. We have ours in our dining room. We have a table, we call it the charging area yep. because there's 20 cords there. To yeah, exactly. Plug yeah. In. Yeah. Um, and that's where you put it overnight. Right. So I think that is the main main place to start is in the evening. This is where your phone goes. Right. This is where your tablet goes. This is where your computer, whatever it is, right? This is where it goes. The second thing is if you don't have restrictions on that device, it can only be used in a common area, right? If there are, if there are no restrictions on that device, if there are no parental controls, whatever, we'll, we'll talk about some of those later, right? If you don't have any of those things on that device, they can't take it to their room and use it. Yeah. They have to sit in the kitchen, in the dining room, the living room, wherever. Exactly. Has to be a common area where you can walk by and you can see what they are doing at right. any given time. Right. And 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 before I jump in, I, you know, I know there's a lot of guys versus girls stuff that you're not supposed to talk about. Uh, 
I'm a little old school. Like if you've got teenage boys, like like that has got to be hard and fast rule. Doors open, public spaces. Um, you know, I, I've known I've known teenagers that have been good enough to figure out how to look at pornography while their parents are sitting in the room. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that whole slippery slope is there. And so that, that's just got to be wisdom. Do not, do not, do not, do not, do not let your teenagers have their devices in their rooms, door closed without any protections whatsoever. Right. It's just, you're asking for all kinds of trouble. And so, I'm actually going to add on to that. Yeah. You say teenage boys, I say teenagers period, because yeah. teenage girls are one of the fastest growing consumers. That's true. That, that, that's just true. I, 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 so. I've done a little research in that a while back, but you're absolutely right. Plus, plus just the emotional attachments right. that can happen with un, un, yeah. uh, you know, unmonitored texting and all those kinds yeah. of messaging. So, and that kind of thing. Yeah, good, uh, good stuff. Yeah, I just if it's not filtered, if it's not controlled, it, it just doesn't go right. anywhere. Right. So um, the... The last thing I want to talk about is is evenings, nighttime. You know, I, I said devices don't go to room at night. Okay. Right. Research research shows us that you know all screens, TV, computer, phone, tablets, all of those should actually be shut off at least an hour prior to going to bed, an hour prior to when you want to sleep, right? To promote healthy sleep, right. um, because of the way the blue light and because of those things, the way it interacts with our brain. Um, it actually stimulates us and, and keeps us going. Right. And so those screens should all be shut off at least an hour before bed. And um, I've, I've worked with families on this, and they they come back and they say, okay, we, we set up this rule that all screens are off an hour before bed, and our kids are going to bed so much better now. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's, you know, it, I don't always do g- great at this. Sure, sure, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do it great, yeah. um, but you can tell the nights you do. You know, they're, Even for myself personally, I can tell the nights where I put my phone down and I have conversations right before going to bed versus I sit there and scroll right before going to bed. Right. You can tell it in your sleep, your sleep <laughs> you quality. Yes, you can. <laughs> so especially for teenagers, their sleep is important. Right. They're, they're developing, um, and so helping them develop healthy sleep patterns plug them in, put them away, turn the screens off an hour before bed. Yeah. Makes sense. It's an easy thing as far as, as far as a rule, it's an easy thing to say. And, and I think once they experience that, they'll feel a freedom from letting go of that thing. Yeah. And having that time to just relax. It it really is amazing. The impact it has on your ability just to shut the brain off when you put that away and, And all of that. All right. So, um, how about some practical tools and recommendations for media use and families? In addition to these, what other things okay. can, can we do? Um, li- limiting screen time, especially for kids, younger kids, yeah. especially. Yeah. Um, our kids are spending their entire school days on devices, on screens. I mean, Goshen has a beautiful new intermediate school <laughs> yeah you walk into huge that tvs everywhere yeah four giant screens oh, yeah. in, it's every, amazing. in every room it's like, like a college campus honestly it is it is impressive yeah and depressive yeah <laughs> right <laughs> like our kids are spending their entire day at school on screens yeah they don't need more screen time when they come home right. i mean honestly when kids get home during the week i say you know if they need some time to decompress and they want to play a, a, a game or something 30 right. minutes right during the week, right. fine. Weekends, 
more time than that is okay because they're not on screens. But I mean, let's give their eyes a break. Right. Let's let's give their brains a chance to to be in reality and not right. on a screen. So I think that's just an, an easy thing to say is set some limits, right. set some screen limits for your kids. Help them to say, okay, I've been on a screen all day. Let's take some time at home not doing that. Right. And then I like the idea of watching things together. So if your kids want to watch a show, if they want to watch a movie, if they want to, you know, if they want to spend some time on a screen, sit down and do it with them. Right. You know, this is, this does a couple things <laughs> for, for one, you know what they're watching. Um, it's not, it's not a surprise to you when all of a sudden you're right. like, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, you know, you know what they're watching. Yeah. You're, you're helping those limits. You're also spending some quality time with them. You know, you can sit together and, you know, have, have that time, that personal right. touch while they're watching something. Um, so not only do you know what they're watching, but you're, you're having that time with them and then you can share with them about that. You can laugh about it. Um, one of the things we've do, and this is probably just unique to our family because my wife and I like to, to relive the nineties. And <laughs> so we make our kids listen to 90 Christian, 90s Christian music. And we started watching the, that the old, it. <laughs> yeah. that's like your kids can finish every single line of any song I ever seen from the nineties. Like what is wrong with these kids? My kids look at me and go, I've never heard of that dad. <laughs> I mean, you're cruel and unusual. We'll have to report you later. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, oh, man. So we've started doing that with TV. Like we've, we started watching the old episodes of, Family Matters, the old TGIF stuff. Like, hey, it's old, and I mean, I'm actually surprised at how um, how much stuff is in there. I'm like, oh, (laughs) right. Well, we'll we'll talk about that That one later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, taking that time to just spend time together, watching something, and and engaging in that, and then you you can laugh about that together. Yeah. Um, So if you are engaging a screen. You're doing it together. Right, right, right. Um, well, good. And l- so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, devices and settings and all of that. So uh, a couple of things uh, we're, we're going to just do and say up front. Uh, first of all is we're going to put out a video where you're going to walk through how to uh, do this up, um, particularly on Apple, an Apple device. Yeah. And the other thing, we're going to talk a little bit about the devices that are out there and why we favor the ones that we favor. But just for clarity's sake, I want to make sure everyone out there understands um, we are, A, uh, not endorsed by anybody. Uh, <laughs> we're two dads trying to figure this thing out. And I know I went through a whole lot of trepidation about what device to get my child when it was time to get them one because the stereotype out there is you shouldn't get them this because that's the top end and right. you should find and it, something about the higher end, the more susceptible it is to bad stuff whereas the cheap stuff is easier to keep you know whatever um but that we're also not parodic reviewers we're you know so this is not an advertisement this is just two dads uh that spend a lot of time researching and talking to one another about how to keep our kids safe and so with that (laughs) as you say (laughs) uh all right so with that i'm gonna tell you right now like straight up as as bold as you were in the first episode right, of this right, right i'm gonna be i'm gonna be bold i'm just gonna say your kid should have an apple product right period right and and there's a reason for that um apple products have parental controls that are built into them that you can lock it down right androids 
do not. Right. Um, and when I say Android, I'm talking the generic general Android. This right. is Samsung. This is Google. This is anything that is not Apple. <laughs> it's not Apple. Right. So, um, and, and this sounds, this sounds very opinionated. This sounds very like Apple because, geek. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's okay. But, <laughs> right. um, there's a reason behind that. And yes, Apple is probably one of the more expensive, right. you know, their, their prices up there, but it's built in lockdown. And when we were, when we first started talking about this, I actually last week when I was thinking, okay, how am I going to talk through parental controls? I went online to figure out, okay, for someone that does have an Android, what are some parental controls that we can, you know, give them advice on how to, you know, help set that up. I looked up the very best parental controls that are out there Mm -hmm. and did some research on them to find out, okay, how do you set this up and what do you do? And then I just typed into Google how to bypass and then put in that, parental control and came up with a video to exactly how to bypass that parental control. Right. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ineffective. It's ineffective. Right. Like right. all your kid has to do is have yeah, access to Google. Cause if you think your kid doesn't know how to Google, Google that, uh, your kid knew what Google was long before we did. I mean, right. <laughs> you know, um, so. so I'm just telling you, if you have an Android product, it's fine. You're going to have to do a whole lot more monitoring. Right. And a whole lot more, checking and and looking and and it's just going to take a whole lot more work. Right. That's period. If you have an Apple, it's built in and and I'm going to put a video out on how do you set up those parental controls and you can lock it down to the point where like my kids, two of my kids have phones um, and they can't access the internet on their phone. Like the web browser isn't even there for them to click on to go to a website. And if I want to allow them to go to a website I can enable the browser, but I can enable the, enable the browser so it only accesses certain websites that I want it to. Wow. I can tell it, you can access this website, and, and you can actually narrow it down as far as the page on this website. So wow. if I wouldn't, I can say, you can visit WNDU Weather. Radar <laughs> right, right, page, right. and that's the only WNDU page they can, they can go visit. to. Right. If they try to click somewhere else, it says restricted right so as far as parental limits apple just has it nailed down right right Um, and the other thing on those you can set up screen time um you can set up screen time for certain apps so if if you want them to be able to use their phone for um text messaging and and calling and stuff like that that doesn't count for their screen time but you want to say, oh, you can only play games for an hour on your phone. As soon as they hit an hour using Damn. those games, it locks down all their games right. and they can't access their games. Right. Um, and it, it's cool. You know, I know not all adult, adults want to have an Apple product either. You know, and I'm fine with adults not having. Like, right. You can choose whatever you want as an adult. Right. Because, you know, you're, you're, not, you're yeah. setting yeah. your own yeah. restrictions. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if, if the adult also has an Apple product, they communicate and I can go on my phone and I can see my kids screen time usage. I can see, you know, if they want to like the app store, they have to get permission from me to buy an app or to download an app. So if they say, I want this app, it sends me a message on my phone saying Elijah wants to buy this app and I have to approve or deny it. Right. Um, if they want more screen time, it's like, Hey, I was in the middle of doing this. Can you give me more screen time? I can approve or deny that from my phone. Right. So 
there's so much control right. that comes with that. And honestly, when it comes down to it, control is what we want right. on these devices. Right. Right. And and if I if I'm correct, things like them changing their password, all that kind of stuff, it notifies you and and all that, you know, so it, it them trying to create a workaround becomes virtually impossible. <laughs> right. And that's that was the thing I remember you and I talking because in the back of my mind I'm like I'm just not going to get my teenage daughter an Apple device you know, <laughs> and I sat down and I started talking and you started mentioning it and I started doing my own research and I I finally came up with the reality of they can figure it out mm-hmm. and, and they just absolutely uh, can figure it out. Um, yeah. Well, good. And so like I said, we we will post it. What we're going to do is once that video is made. Um, we will hashtag it on uh, social media, uh, <laughs> Harvest Talk, and uh, and so it'll go on our on our on our social media page, but it'll also go on our YouTube site, um, and it'll be Corey talking us through how to do that with the we'll do a screen video of it and all of that. So that'll be that'll come out in the next week or two. We'll and, also uh, yeah. put a link to it in the comments. Yeah, we can put a link to it in the video. comments on on this video, and so, and so you can find it. Um, it might not it it might not come out. You know, we normally release these videos on Wednesday, so it might not be there this Wednesday, but it, we'll put it up there as soon as we can get it uh, together. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's kind of moving towards ending this. All right, let's, how do you have this conversation with your with your teenager? And and honestly, we've talked a little bit about the preteens going into n- not having it, so maybe we can review that briefly. But let's really talk then about okay you're listening and all of a sudden the light goes on you see the wisdom of Jeremy and Corey and but you've had your your teens on social media for a year or two or maybe more mm-hmm. how, how 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 then would you advise parents to have that conversation yeah uh this has to be a discussion on social media um a discussion about the effects that it's having on them it it can't be a lecture or a sermon right you can't sit your kid down and and start saying you know, listing off all the reasons we've given you. Right. You can't lecture them. You can't preach a sermon to them about the evils of social media. Right. This has to be a discussion. Um, you know, even, you know, if you watch um, The Social Dilemma and then you want to watch that with them right. and talk about how how does this impact you? How are you? I mean, Elijah watched it with me mm-hmm. and he's like, well, that doesn't apply to me because you won't let me have something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your kid's a little too smart for your own good. <laughs> it's awesome, but true. Um, and we talked about like the screen time. Yeah, and exactly. What, is, yeah. what does that look like? Yeah, but, no, that's great. Um, you know, sit down with them and say, "Hey, let's watch this together. You tell me your view. How do you see this? What? How does this come across to you in in your view of things?" Right. And then go go back and forth with them, allow a discussion, allow them to make their points, allow them to say, here's what I think. And here's how I see it. And here's how I'm using social media for myself. And then ask them, you know, how do you, how do you see social media influencing your friends? Mm. Have you seen the negative things? Have you seen things happening? Help them understand that for themselves. Um, Allow this to be a discussion. It may not be a a one-time discussion. This may be something that you need to start uh, developing in conversations with your kids over the next week or two or three. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I think if you try to rush into it, if, if you come into, like, if it's all of a sudden a, a vice grip and you're just like mm, clamping down on everything, shutting it all down, teenagers want independence. Right. <laughs> They're right. working towards that autonomy. There's going to be pushback. Right. Uh, but if you can have a conversation, if you can help them understand for themselves, how, how does social media give you false feedback? When you're posting things, when you're reading things, how are you seeing kind of a false community in social media? How are you seeing the responses? How, how are you impacted by likes or not likes right. on your posts? Are you experiencing those emotions that come along with that and helping them walk through that for themselves? Kids are very smart. Kids mm-hmm. are intelligent. They, they know these things better than we do. And so walking them through that will help them to make those decisions they may still say, well, I don't want to get rid of it. And, and you as the parent, you have your choices, right? You, you are the parent you get to decide. Right. Um, again, that's the nice thing about an Apple product is you can delete it and not let them download it again. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, they're, they're always going to have their, their school computers and their, there's other ways they, they will just go around. Right. If you don't make it a conversation and right. make it something they buy into, the other thing is if they're going to stay on, if, if you talk with them and you decide, all right, my kid is 16, 17. Right. And you know what? They've had social media for a couple of years now. They're going to stay on. My advice is you have the login. Right. You log into it on your phone. You download the Facebook app. You download the Snapchat. You download whatever it is. You download it on your phone. You log into their account on your phone. Right. So you can see it all the time everything that is going on in their account. Um, You know what, if, if you have your own social media, if you have your own Facebook, but you log into theirs, then you know what, you may have to go a different way to log into yours and see your stuff, but you're able to see their stuff first. And I think that's important. The other thing to note here is talk to your kids about multiple accounts, right? Because almost every teenager now, if they're on social media, especially when I talk about like Instagram and, and some of those, they have two or three accounts, right? <laughs> the one that you know about, um, is going to be the one where they post the stuff they want you to know about. They want you to know. Right. They post the, the nice stuff, right? The ones you don't know about are the ones where they post the real stuff. Right. So when they, when you're talking about this, ask them, what about your accounts, your other accounts? What about your second one? What about your third one? Uh, because that's, it's just so common. And right. I, I would, I would wager a guess that most kids, if they have one, they have two or three. Right. Right. Um, just because that's, that's the way it works. Yeah. Um, and if they are not willing to let you monitor it, then for me, it's a hard no. Yeah. Like, all right, if you're not willing to let me see, if you're not willing to let me in, then it's a hard no. Right. And then <laughs> then you have some really hard conversations to go through, but it, it's it, worth it. Yeah, you're you're the yeah. adult, you're the parent, and it is your job to protect your kids in this. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's such great advice and and I think I'll piggyback a couple of things on there. Um, I absolutely think, particularly if you've got 
uh, teenagers that are older. You know, I recognize, you know, four or five years ago, the idea of letting your teen on social media was commonplace. You know, it's, it's really just been in the last three years we've started to see the real effects of what's going on. And, uh, and so maybe you've got, you know, a teenager that's 15, 16, 17, been on social media three, four, five years. I think you're exactly right. Showing them the social dilemma. If you haven't seen it yet, it's very well done. It's entertaining. It would absolutely keep a teenager's attention. Like right. it's not, it is not a stale documentary kind of a thing. It's dramatized. And a, a, but what that does is, like you said, it creates a foundation for discussion. Um, and so, you know, you start with that. At that age, especially they've been on it, um, as much as I would want to move them towards getting off of it, maybe there's a compromise somewhere. Maybe there's a, a control mechanism. Maybe they don't have an iPhone and you can negotiate, hey, um, if you're willing, I'll get you this new phone, and but I'm going to put these controls on it. Um, those kinds of things. Um, but I, I do think, especially the younger and the less they've been on it, um, I think you need to be brave in, in, in moving it towards as close to nothing as is absolutely possible. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, again, um, talk to, discuss with them about the idea of privilege, discuss with them the idea about making wise decisions, discuss with them, um, you know, and, and even, even look at their behaviors, you know, are they addicted to it? Can they put it down for a day? Can they put it down for a week? And, um, and just just help them to see what it's doing to them, because um, because in most cases you're going to see something. Um, you know, we we even see it just in terms of device use, um, and they don't have social media. But just in terms of device use, we've seen the whole. Mm -hmm. If you don't give them an hour before bedtime, if they've been locked on it for long, you you see those behaviors and and help them see that. Um, and it could. It's not going to make it easy every conversation easy, but it can help them understand where you're coming from. Right. So, well, awesome. Well, Corey, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for lending your expertise yeah. uh, here. And uh, like I said, we will post this video for, for how to use and how to, how to put controls on an Apple device uh, in our, in our comments and on our YouTube and, and Facebook pages coming up and, uh, and looking forward to continuing our conversation uh, about this, about this issue. All right. Well, I hope you found that as fascinating and as helpful as I have. Uh, you know, Corey and I have children about the same age, uh, but because he's been in this realm uh, more recently than I have, I've, I've as a father of, of teenagers, I've really leaned upon him to learn uh, some of these things. I've been very grateful for his input. So I hope that was helpful uh, for you. Um, just to kind of give you a preview of where we're going next, we're kind of wrapping up uh, the issue of teenagers and social media. What I'm going to start turning our attention to now is kind of the issue of misinformation, uh, tribalism, those kinds of things. And I'm going to talk a little bit in the coming weeks um, on this series about kind of advertising theory, why the algorithms work the way they do, why they create the problem that they do, and then what that is actually doing uh, to us in terms of just having good discourse and good disagreement in our society. And then I'm going to kind of move towards the end of this series by hopefully bringing in some just very practical steps for us on how we can follow Jesus and live from a biblical perspective, live as people of truth, live as people of love uh, in these circumstances. And so that's where we're going to be going over the next uh, couple of weeks. So let me pray for us, and then we will uh, close out 
our, our podcast today. So, Lord, God, I just thank you so much that you are a God of truth and you are a God that has called us to raise our kids in your instruction. And so, Lord, I just pray for teenagers, uh, parents of teenagers out there uh, today, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom uh, to address these issues. You'd give them the wisdom on how to bring their children on board, uh, doing know exactly what they need to do, how they need to do it, and you give them favor so that they would see the health that, that can be created here. So I just pray a blessing on that. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, listen, thank you again for listening to Harvest Talk. And as always, until next time, keep reaching people and building their lives. Take care.